Now, once a month, you, you need to know this about our family, once a month in my neighborhood, there is a day marked that all of us in our family pay attention to. It's a day that is circled. It's a day that we look forward to. It's a day that we plan for. It's a day that we count on. It's a day that we strategize about. It's a day my wife and I talk about. It's a day that we look forward to. That day is bulk trash day. That's when the good people at Waste Management realize, listen, these people have a ton of junk, and it won't fit into those 90-gallon receptacles, as shocking as that is. And so what we need to do is come by once a month and get their bulk trash. And so what we do at our home is when something is broken beyond repair or beyond worth bothering, we just come by and pronounce over it bulk trash, just like we're making some. Your purpose at our home is now ended. You are now forever bulk trash. And so we had an old big CRT TV that was, you know, this huge old monitor that lasted forever and then it died. Bulk trash. Sink that broke. Bulk trash. We had an umbrella in the back that was destroyed by one of our many monsoons. Bulk trash, because the kids didn't bring it in, but I'm not bitter. Bulk trash. A, tr a chair that was from somebody else's bulk trash. You're now bulk trash. Broken tree limbs. Bulk trash. A trampoline destroyed by the sun. Bulk trash. Bulk trash, in my home, is for broken things not worth the trouble of fixing. Things broken beyond repair. Our world is broken beyond repair. At least beyond the repair of anything we can do. By all rights, God should have pronounced over this world bulk trash. We saw last week that the power of sin had entered God's good creation and spread brokenness to every corner of the universe and this septic effect of sin had destroyed God's good world. It was broken beyond all human repair. Even more and even worse, mankind who was made to reflect the image of God revolted against God, turned his back against God, went his own way. And because of the power of sin, the brokenness that came into our world brought along with it things like murder and slander and genocide and dissension and pogroms and racism and neglect and abuse. It was a world, it is a world, broken by beyond all human ability to repair. By all rights, God should have said bulk trash, but he didn't. And this is what makes, this is what makes the human, I mean, the Christian worldview completely different. We're not just in a cycle of history that sort of turns and things will kind of get better. That's not what's going on. It's not as if we're subject to random molecules just sort of forming and, and you know, nothing really means anything. No, what we have is a story. Yes, the world is irreparably, irreparably broken beyond anything any of us can do. But... God in love sent his son to repair it. Jesus, instead of throwing away what was broken, 
Instead of throwing away the world, God sent Jesus, His one and only Son, into the world to save and restore the broken world. The loving God gave His broken world Jesus. Or you might say, the loving God gave His broken world grace. You see, grace is not just some kind of mist that comes from God. Grace has a name, and His name is Jesus. God was moved to pity for this race of rebels, people who would spit on him, people who would yell curses at him, people who would jeer at him, people who would ignore him, people who would scoff at him, people who would kill them if they had a chance. And in the face of that kind of hostility, God sends grace. Instead of destruction, grace. Instead of despair, grace. Instead of retribution, grace. Instead of justice, grace. Grace is Jesus. God made the world and everything in it. We know the world and everything in it is broken, but God did not leave the world and everything in it to flounder and destroy itself under its own power. The loving God gave his broken world Jesus. Now, if you've been around church, you might say, that is painfully simple. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But you know what? The simple things are the things that we're apt to forget, especially when there's a lot of noise. When there's a lot of noise, we forget what matters most, and we forget the simple things. The simple thing here for us today is, yes, we live in a broken world. Yes, there's hope, but it's not in a political process. It's in a person, and his name is Jesus. We're going to read, beginning in John chapter 3, verses, just two verses, 16 and 17. You've heard them before if you've been in church, but we'll read them again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Let's pray. Lord, in, these, in this brief time that we have, please open up your word to all of us so that we might hear and listen and be changed by the power of your spirit. I pray you would overcome my many weaknesses and frailties and work. And in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to see God's loving response and God's unspeakable gift. God's loving response to rebels is what? Jesus. God often gets a bad rap. People think that he's an irate, fuming ogre who's ready to lash out in wrath. And this figure can't be reasoned with because he's just about ready to fly off at the handle and you'll never know what he might do. But that's not the God of the Bible. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. God didn't love the world because it was lovely. God didn't love the world because it was lovable. God wasn't just kind of a one move to pity. God loved the world because God is love. It's who he is. God loved the world. Now think about this. Imagine if you've ever had someone who regards you as an enemy, how hard it is 
for you to even be kind to them or see them or interact with them in a civil way. That's super difficult. Mankind was a treasonous, rebellious race before a good and loving God. And instead of turning away like mankind did from him, he pressed in. God so loved the world. And how did he respond? He he responded by sending his only son. To think Christianly means that we we see that the answer for our broken world is the one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus reverses and is beginning to reverse the curse of sin. Sin brings death. Jesus brings life. Sin brings alienation from God and others. Jesus brings restoration to God and others. Sin brought aimlessness. Jesus brings purpose. Jesus stands as the world's only hope. Simple. We know that. Many of us. But when there's a lot of noise in our culture, on Twitter, other places, that say, no, here is your hope. And they point to a political process or a political candidate or to a coming election. It can be tempting, even for us who know better, to say, yeah, that's, that's my hope. It's not true. It can't be true for us. It can't be. See, you're free. We should have political opinions. We all should. Most of us do, especially in an election year. But what we have to be careful of is not subtly taking those political opinions that we can hold tightly and elevating them above the hope that only Jesus can give. Simple, but easy to forget. Simple, but easy to forget. We have the privilege of being able to have a say in our government. Most Christians in the history of the world didn't. They were disenfranchised. They were invisible. They were, had no voice. So our job here is to remember, first of all, that hope for our broken world, the world and everything in it that is irreparably broken is the hope of Jesus. To constantly put forth Christ as Savior to the rebel race of humanity. Now, does this mean that we shouldn't work for justice? No. Absolutely not. Some of us are going to be called to do that. And that's wonderful. What it means is that as a church, we're going to be about focusing our attention on Jesus so that we are equipped to go out into the world and help people understand that while it's worthwhile to work for justice, there's only eternal hope in one person, and his name is Jesus. Do you see the difference? 
Some of us are called to the front lines to work for justice, but all of us are called to the front lines to preach the gospel. Because we have something that no political party does. This is not in the platform of either the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or any third party. The platform or the hope is Jesus. May we not forget that. It's so easy to forget in all the noise. The world and everything in it needs to hear that our loving God has sent Jesus and given grace as a way for rebels. Secondly, God's unspeakable gift. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What's God's unspeakable gift? Salvation. Not just for a day or a week. Not just the kind of salvation that Superman might bring if you're in an earthquake, he picks you up and moves you somewhere else. That's only temporary salvation. No, we have salvation for eternity. We're eternally saved. He has come to find a way to give us eternal security. Everyone we know needs to hear about this Jesus. This is what our culture needs to hear. This is what needs to be on our lips. This is an abundance of good news. But it also carries a little bit of bad news. It carries a little bit of, a little bit of something that makes our culture go, what? Look again at verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In a wonderful act of grace, he sent his Son so that there might be a way for mankind, rebellious mankind, to be saved. But God had to send his Son because there is no other way to be saved. This is what we believe and this is what is true. In our country, in our day and age, the gospel is offensive. And you know what? It's only going to get more offensive. It's only going to grow more countercultural for us to say there is no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. Do not follow your heart because that will get you nowhere. You are insufficient. You can't be whoever you want to be. You are so severely broken that you need someone else to help you put your life together, and that person is Jesus. No one is going to, that is not going to be popular in our day and age, and that is going to be offensive. But the gospel has always been offensive. And here's a question for us. Are your political opinions more offensive to others than the gospel? Because if they are, there's trouble. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have those opinions. I'm not saying you shouldn't share those opinions. But if what's on your mouth, most of all, is controversial political things that pushes people away, do you see that people are then getting offended by the wrong message? The gospel message is offensive enough. See, as Christians, we're going to approach this 
coming election differently. One of the ways we're going to approach it is with faith. And we're going to say, you know what? We serve a God who's good and he's sovereign. We serve a God who has put us here in these days to be a witness to this dark and dying world. The world and everything in it is broken. And we're not going to fall into the trap of thinking that some kind of political candidate or some kind of governmental process is going to make everything right because it will not. Instead, we can look forward no matter who wins the election or which, who, which party governs in the House or Senate or has a majority, we can look forward and say, Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is the way to salvation. And that will never change. This is what we must make sure that if people are going to be offended by our words, may they be offended by those. Especially unbelievers. Especially unbelievers. If people are going to be offended by what we say, may it be our words about Jesus. Not because we're jerks, but because they understand what we're saying when we say there's no other way. You see, we can contend for the faith without being contentious for the faith, Don Carson says. Now, don't hear from me that I'm saying we ought not to be involved in the political process. No. We should. But we ought not to put too much hope in the political process. You see, to think Christianly means that we believe God created all things, and therefore owns all things. We believe that all things are irreparably broken, not just politically, but at every level. No political candidate is ever going to lead us away from this kind of brokenness. May we not forget that. That's Jesus and Jesus alone. You see, as Christians, we must hold on and remember the message of Jesus is off-putting enough. If someone's going to get offended, may it be because you hold strong to your hope in Jesus. The words that, that he and he alone is, is the only hope for mankind in any day and age, in any place or time, in any culture, we only have Jesus. That's our message. Now, how are we to be involved in the culture? That's a, a good question. We'll talk more about that on Tuesday night. But as a church, collectively, here's, here's our message. There's hope only in Jesus. That's our message. Now, many of you are going to be called to spread that hope by doing good in the city, and that's wonderful. But our message here today, now, and Lord willing, for all the days that he tarries, is this. We will be fixed on Jesus because it's in Jesus, and Jesus alone, there's hope. Let's pray. Lord, we have a lot to pray about in our country, a lot to ponder really a lot to trust you with. And I just ask that you would help us to be those kind of people, Lord. I pray that we would trust you with every fiber of our being. I pray that we would be able to look to you and, and 
reach out to you, Lord. I pray that we would be people who would hold your name up high. I pray that our purpose and our reason for living would be consciously and explicitly you. So Lord, that doesn't mean we don't pray for our country. We do. We pray that you would bring peace in those areas that aren't experiencing peace. I pray that you would bring unity in those places that seem to be hopelessly divided. I pray that you would help us as individuals to work for the good of our city in the ways that you have called us each to do. But Lord, as a church, together, corporately, may we be a people who hold you high. And may, if there's something that's offensive, may it be that we hold to Jesus. The great hope of every age. The pressing need for every person. May that be why people get offended and not because of our political opinions. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray and ask for help. Guide us in these troubled waters, Lord. In your name. Amen.